0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations Podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Hercan Daniel In this week's episode, I welcome Bo Payne. And what I love about this podcast and this episode specifically is being able to have the opportunity to have guests like Bo that inspire me personally and by sharing their stories. And Bo is someone who had a tumultuous upbringing, riddled with familial and substance abuse. Bo entered adulthood with no aim or direction, and from city to city, Bo was merely focused on one thing, when and where he could get his next fix. That fix often came from drugs, alcohol, or surface level relationships, and that's something we can all relate to. But after 10 plus years behind walls and razor wire, away from loved ones and society, Bo was finally forced to sit with and confront his past pain. Lucky for him, there were a few key people to help him with the truth. That despite our past mistakes, there is understanding. A hope that offers a new season. Hope beyond a hope that brings purpose to our pain. As a U.S. Army infantry veteran with the 101st Airborne and a former MLB draft pick by the Florida Marlins, Bo has known the heights of athletic success and the trenches of serving his country. I'm super grateful for how Bo shared his journey through life in this episode and how he's decided to make a change and turn his life around. In this episode, Bo also talks about taking the time to heal and repair relationships that were impacted by his past. Now, Beau has been able to repair with his family, including his children, and he's also sharing his story with others and inspiring them. So I really hope you can get a lot out of this episode, and if at the end, if you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Bo, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining and uh, giving me the opportunity to have this conversation today. I'm super grateful and I'm really excited about this conversation we're going to have today. Before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and maybe talk about what it is that you do and, and we'll kind of get into the, the topic of conversation today.
1: Yeah, thanks for Ken for having me. I really appreciate it. Glad we got a chance to finally uh, get this thing going. So, um, my name is Bo Payne. I live in Boise, Idaho, which, uh, for your listeners, is about seven hours uh, southeast of Seattle, Washington, a few hours north of Salt Lake City. So uh, we're kind of desert area, but. Uh, I like it, you know. It's kind of strange weather. Really hot in the winter, 110 in the winter, uh, 40 Celsius, <laughs> yeah. and uh, very, very cold. Cold. Or in, I mean, in the summer, very, very cold in the winter. But that's uh, yeah, it's where I live, and I enjoy it. So, uh, my story is not unlike a lot of other people. Um, I'm a recovering uh, alcoholic uh, and substance abuser. Uh, just about six years clean and sober now. Mm-hmm. I got sober in 2016. So you know, God willing. Uh, uh, a few more days or a few more <laughs> a few more 24 hours at a time and i'll have six years uh and you know, i've gone through a lot in my life and i've uh, you know overcome a lot and i like to think of my story as kind of a kind of a redemption story and i like mm-hmm. to tell my story to anybody who will listen um i work with a lot of guys in in recovery uh, a lot of newcomers because uh, i was once a newcomer and understand how it is mm-hmm. and as far as what i do um you know, uh, unfortunately, over the years, I spent a lot of time in jails and, and prisons and penitentiaries as well due to my abuse, uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse, uh, almost 10 years, as a matter of fact, but I've been out a handful of years and have really uh, changed my outlook on life and just dedicated my life to myself, staying sober, helping other guys get clean and sober. And uh, there's a lot of stuff kind of that's coming to fruition uh, at the end of the year. I have a lot of Speaking engagements that uh, I do, mm-hmm. a lot of really neat stuff. So, I've kind of made a little career out of it, kind of or, or burgeoning, I guess, or, or blooming, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's always nice too. You know, we have to support ourselves. And if we can do something that we love to do, um, you know, help other people make a living doing it so to support ourselves and our family, man, it's just a win win. So, I'm very grateful to be here. Just grateful to meet people like you, be on the mm-hmm. show, meet you know full, like-minded people that
0: uh, want to really be positive and move forward in life, and
1: uh, yeah. So that's kind of what's going on these days.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I guess part of this podcast, what I like to understand from people like yourself is, at what point do you make that <clears throat> decision that okay, you know, I've been making these choices up to this point now I need to do something different. And I'm always curious to understand that. So in your case, what was that moment like when you decided, okay, whatever I've been doing is not working, and I need to do something different here?
1: That's such a fantastic question, because there's always that, that pinnacle, you know, moment of clarity, I guess. And yeah, for me, it was a, For again, for me, it was It was a series of things that led Mm -hmm. up to it, you know, over the years. Um, I first tried to get sober in 1996. Like I said, I finally got sober, you know, one day at a time in 2016. So I I, I always knew that I had a problem with alcohol, other substances, drugs, you know, what have you. But I just wasn't quite willing to... uh, Admit that I don't have any control over this stuff, you know. I mean, I knew, yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I'm powerless. When I drink, I can't stop. But when somebody tried to tell me that my life's become unmanageable because of this stuff, I'm like, no, nah, get out of here, man. I can yeah. manage my own life. Thank mm-hmm. you. I don't need your help. As I'm uh, lying in some back alley in a pile of puke, <laughs> you know, for the 18th day in a row, or yeah. back in back in jail, and then maybe back on my way to the penitentiary, or you know, to do two or three years, um, it just, they started piling up, uh, being an absentee father, uh, broken promises to my son and daughter, broken promises to my family, not having relationships with my mother, my, you know, um, people that I truly, truly love in my life, and the, the one person I neglected the most was myself, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and I just... You know, this sounds so cliche, but I just got sick and tired of just being exhausted, mm-hmm. lying all the time, keeping up with what I told that person. And hopefully that person doesn't talk to this person and find out the lies that I told to that person. And yeah, it just it just became a game of just being absolutely exhausted and, and trying to stay drunk and high every day because I was far years past the point of enjoying any of it. Um, I needed it to stay alive and to not mm-hmm. shake. I shook in the mornings, you know, until I could get pills and alcohol down my throat. And, and I just said, enough's enough. Just, I kind of, well, I, I pray a lot and I have a really kind of, well, I don't really have one. I have an unshakable faith. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm from the camp of, I do work a 12-step program, but I am from the camp, people in sobriety of, uh, like my my recovery tent is all inclusive. I don't push my way of recovery on people. Mm-hmm. Um, I welcome anybody like a. Whatever's working for you, man, have at it. I mean, don't mean you personally. I mean, you know, just whoever's yeah. in recovery. Whatever you believe in, uh, whatever faith, if you do or you don't, you know, man, if, if it's working for you, have at it. And what yeah. I can do is share what works works for me and my mm-hmm. experience and hope, and then hopefully somebody can glean from them. So uh, that's the long answer. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> the, the short answer is I got so tired tired of hurting people, and uh, I got tired of having. Just such low self-esteem and and, and shame and guilt and uh, and just seeing the wreckage that I've caused so many people in my life, including mm-hmm. myself too. And I and and I'm not you know I was I, I have talent to do things and and I was just wasting away and, and I just I kind of grew up and it just became a, a big giant embarrassment in my life, for mm-hmm. the person that I've become. So I decided enough's enough and started emulating people that I knew that had gone down a, sim- a similar road that I had gone. Yeah. And I, I I tried to get rid of this ego, this ego telling me in my head that I know everything and I can mm-hmm. do everything on my own and my own will. I had to say, well, hmm. where did that get me? <laughs> the last you know two and a half decades or whatever, and it got me nowhere. Like it's the stuff I was just telling you. So yeah, I just I just gave in and
0: started doing some suggestions.
1: And you know, almost six years later, life was wonderful. So
0: yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing that I take out of that, and as you mentioned, faith. It's, it's finding meaning in whatever we're doing, you know, whether it's our purpose in life, but there's a greater meaning beyond that, right? And uh, one of the things I wanted to explore, there's two key things here. Uh, first of all, I wanted to understand, and I'm, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to dig deep, I'm assuming you have, but what was it that you were trying to numb, like with all the abuse and, and all of that? Like, what was it that you were trying to run away from? Another
1: fantastic question, and these are so important to people that you know that have struggled terribly with substances and mm-hmm. alcohol. So my, it's it's a really it's kind of a nuanced answer I'm going to give you because there's not exactly one reason right. why. But um so I had a terribly violent and dysfunctional childhood. Um, my father was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, came back. I wasn't born yet. Mm-hmm. Back in- 70 to the, to the states to, to the u.s and we were living in, in tennessee at the time and anyways and, and then um i we ended up moving to vancouver bc so i've lived a lot of years in canada as well about yeah and i know you're you're in canada
0: right yeah i'm in calgary but, so very close yeah. oh i'm in
1: calgary okay you're yeah. right there in alberta right right yeah. next door cool yeah i broke my leg ski in Banff, <laughs> alberta when i was nine years old it was terrible but that's off off topic so um Oh, um, well. I'm sorry
0: to ask me again what you we were saying. Oh yeah, you were going explaining how you know your your father. Yes, yes. A, so
1: yeah. yeah, so you know I always had this um this real just terrible state of anxiety as a kid and, and crippling fear, and um, you know just being scared all the time, and that led that bled into the way I felt about myself. That bled into you know never thinking that I fit in anywhere. That you know, led into, you know, hating myself. I was suicidal, you know, at a young age, you know, I I didn't try at a young age, Mm. but I always always had these thoughts of, I just want to die. How can I kill myself? How can I get killed? How can I just not be on this earth? Yeah. So fast forward, when I was 11 or 12, I found alcohol. And Mm. when I first took a, you know, started drinking my first beer or two or whatever, it was a terrible night. It ended up being terrible because I threw up everywhere and I was sick and I was a 12-year-old kid or whatever I was, 11 or 12. But the funny thing is, is that the way it made me feel was the biggest escape from all of that, that hatred and violence in my household and all that way, all that terrible way that I felt about myself. Um, I felt funny. I felt like I fit in. I felt like I was better looking. I felt like I was a better athlete. I felt like people wanted to be around me and, and hear my jokes or whatever you just all the stuff mm-hmm. I walk with my head up you know and I can talk to girls and even at a young age you know and, and then you know juxtapose that against the way that I felt and I'm going to say real life mm-hmm. without the booze I walked with my head down I was timid I was scared I was never uh, confident in the way I spoke I, I just nothing I just I just lived to just lived in a constant state of fear and crippling anxiety and so when I found that uh when I found that alcohol, man, it just, it was a game changer. It just made me Superman. So Mm -hmm. um, that's one part of the reason that I, that I drank and started using drugs heavily is the escapism. And then I got to be honest, uh, being an alcoholic and and recovering drug addicts, uh, I liked the way it made me feel. Mm And, you know, I think a lot of people skip over this and they just go straight to the abuse and what we escape. And yes, we escape a lot of things. And we, and uh, a lot of people have terrible trauma that this stuff, know, temporarily helps deal with. Right. It certainly doesn't address any root issues. You know, it just it numbs it, like like you were saying. Um, but then I just realized that I like the way it made me feel, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, anything I could do to alter my state of mind, I was all in at the time. So those are the two main reasons why I started. And then my body is alcoholic and my mind is alcoholic. So it's just like when I start drinking, I just can't stop, man. You know, and mm-hmm. that's for other discussion but um so yeah that's how i just got more you know deeper and deeper and deeper into things and there was a lot of abuse other kind of abuse going on uh, outside of my family involving me as well Mm -hmm.
0: um so yeah 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 no thanks again for sharing that and i think Mm -hmm. based on what you mentioned like the alcohol basically became a crutch um and that's something you basically carried on until you were ready to make that change in your life And one of the things I've experienced or noticed is quite often we're not willing to make a change in our life because that means we either have to take responsibility and we have to uh, accept that, you know, there's something we need to change. And there's obviously a lot of uncertainty that comes with that and there's fear and there's shame because we're accepting the fact that we are responsible for whatever choices we're making. What was that kind of your experience too that held you back until you were truly ready to make a change in your life? Hundred percent. So
1: uh, a few minutes ago, you asked me kind of what was the what was the the moment? yes, yeah. you know the big moment that um. So <clears throat> when I realized, and I'll answer that a little bit more in, in detail here, or just kind of add on to that. When I realized that yes, I've gone through a lot and I've been a I've been a victim and, and this you know in, in my past. But when I realized that, that my past is the past and I can't change what happened. And if I'm going to live in that victimhood state, then I'm screwed, man. Mm. I'm just going to sit and sit and feel woe is me and sorry for my life. And if you had my life, you drink too and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, grow up, man. You're not the only one that this has happened to. You're not the first. You're not going to be the last. start helping some people and stop feeling sorry for yourself. And deal with today, the present, man. Mm. Deal with where your feet are right now. And, and, you know, and I'm not minimizing the things that happen to, to children, especially. You right. Know, um, you know, because I personally have gone through some horrific stuff. Mm. And, but having said that, you can. I chose to go, you know, one of two ways. And and for a long time, I chose to go the victimhood route. Like, I understand, and I'm not knocking being a victim because people are victimized. But the longer we live in that mentality, the harder it is to ever escape those, those chains or metaphorical yeah. chains, so to speak. And so I finally just was like, dude, no, no more. I, I refuse to be a victim. I never, ever, ever again, as long as I live will let my past my my successes and my failures or what happened to me or what i've gone through define who i am Mm -hmm. and when i adapted or when i adopted that attitude uh, it was just everything changed man Mm -hmm. it was it allowed me to get a a new start on things so um
0: yeah so that's kind of how i feel about that yeah yeah for sure and i think it's I, i agree with you i think you know we most people experience terrible things in childhood and often mm, we're not yeah. in control of that and we can have compassion for that but to your point it's you know as you grow older you have to take responsibility for who you want to become not who you were um, but there's also an aspect of I believe that when we're stuck in, in that victimhood we'll sa- self-sabotage so we can reaffirm that story we've been telling ourselves our whole lives and you know we talked about this offline but you know you were drafted in uh you had the opportunity to play major league baseball do you feel like a lot of the choices you made at that point also led you to feel like okay well you know what this is just who I am these things continue to happen to me and it gave you an excuse to continue the abuse if you don't mind sharing that story as well not, at, I don't mind
1: at all. And uh, you're you hit, you hit the nail right on the head. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I kind of, um, again, adopted an attitude of if I don't play, I can't lose. And I don't mean physically playing the game. But right. if I don't give everything that I have to something, then I'll always have an excuse. If I fail, I can always say, well, yeah, but I didn't really try. You know, so if I tried, boy, you would have. I would have. I would have done really well. Yeah. You know, but because I was so afraid of failure, because one of the things in my in my household was growing up. Even if I, <clears throat> even if I threw a no hitter or, or if I went four for, my <clears throat> apologize. Excuse me. Coffee. Yeah. um I went four or five with a couple home runs and a couple doubles, but I struck out in my fifth at bat. Um, a, I would get physically beat, but B, even worse all the time was. You're an embarrassment. You embarrassed yourself. You embarrassed our family. You embarrassed me. This is coming from my father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and all, all this stuff. And I'm just thinking, man, I just like some like this old man just gave me the MVP trophy of some tournament, you know, meaningless tournament. And and I'm embarrassing you, and you're sitting here beating my butt and all this stuff, and <laughs> kicking, throwing me around and man, I spit on and kicked and punched and all this stuff. And it's just like craziness and mm-hmm. and so it took away all my confidence And to be a good athlete as you get older you need to have extreme confidence almost borderline arrogance and I and I can't stand arrogance as, as a quality as a human quality mm-hmm. you know, I am, and I was very arrogant for a long time and that was to cover up my insecurities about myself you know I didn't want you to find out who I really was And that was a, that was a timid scared mm-hmm. little insecure kid and not you know and I'm 6'4 215 pounds and not a big strong athlete which you know i can portray on the outside but on the inside i was just dying you know? and so i had no confidence um i was i was scared to fail i i drank all the time you know i was i literally was drunk like 24 7 pass out but, i mean i drank i was a gutter drunk and i turned into a gutter gentleman too and i would go days for a can where i I'd, I'd have a start you know i'd start I start a game and I'm throwing 93, 94 miles an hour on the radar. Scouts are like, oh, this kid is lightening up. He's mowing down batters. You know, this is the guy two or three years ago we saw as a senior in high school and he was going to go in the first or second round. And this is not the kid who is already has a criminal record now. He's 19. He's had surgeries and he reeks like. And then so fast forward five days or six days when it's my turn to start again. I've been drinking all week. Mm. uh heavy drinking um i'm i'm unshaped you know i'm just bad looking i I look terrible my eyes are bloodshot my body language is awful um you know my arm hurts as all i always had arm troubles because i was out of shape and and i'm and i'm topping out at 83 miles an hour on the radar gun and scouts are looking at, at themselves now saying what the hell's going on with this dude he's just throwing low to mid 96 days ago and now he looks like he just was drinking for five days straight and he can't even touch 83 on the radar gun. And that was the truth. Yeah, <laughs> And, you know, word just started spreading that I could not be counted on. Um, the surgery started happening. I've had five rotator cuff surgeries. Uh, the, the fluctuations in my behavior, not being able to be responsible about anything, not, not training properly, not eating properly, not uh, being able to perform on the field up to my abilities and uh i still had a couple teams take small chances on me like i said you know a couple offers from the brewers organization and the rangers organization and i was drafted by the florida marlins organization um but the last time i was drafted it was a really late round it was in 71st round <laughs> and, I was, and i think they offered me you know i don't know like 3,000 000 bucks you know. one of these mesh truckers snap on <laughs> Florida Marlins hats it was so ridiculous and I'm not knocking them for being ridiculous yeah. I'm just thinking of just how far I fell you know from a, yeah. from literally three years you know a, a projected first or second round pick and that's you know back in 1990-91 you know that's two 250 grand signing bonus right there to just an afterthought just, mm-hmm. just some team drafted me so I can take up space for a few months to you know until they release me if they don't have any investment for me, yeah you know, I want you know so yeah i just i didn't have any any mental skills and i didn't have any uh discipline and i didn't and i had and, and back to that real quick back to the arrogance thing um athletes do have to be arrogant to a point you know that's the only kind of place where i really kind of condone arrogance in society because really it's just ugly it's a turn off you know mm-hmm. a little arrogant um but you have to have that i'm that really co- competitive I'm going to kick your butt man. when I'm between the lines and that makes you better. And I didn't have any of that. I just had no self-confidence. I had no Mm -hmm. physical abilities left anymore. I was just a a walking shell of what I once was and uh,
0: alcohol and drugs pretty much washed me up by then. Yeah. Yeah. So I think going back to the question, like you put yourself in a situation where you could tell yourself that, you know what, I'm, I'm basically living out what I, kind of thought I was, and it just gave you more of an excuse to continue to drink and and use drugs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed on your profile, like you've been able to repair relationship, the relationship you have with your children. Uh, What was that like? If you don't mind sharing a little bit. Oh boy. No, I don't mind sharing at all.
1: Uh, First, let me preface this by saying it's a work in progress, Mm -hmm. Um, but I do have, I do have a relationship. Um, My son will be 26 in August. He lives in Nashville or just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. He's a photographer. Uh, He has a wonderful mother who we have been friends with uh, together, his mom and I, um, for, you know, ever since our son was born uh, for 25 years. We've always remained friends. And she's been one of the very few people that have kind of stayed with me and encouraged me throughout kind of all my BS, I guess, throughout the years. Uh, My daughter helped raise my daughter i was a lot i was really involved in her life as compared to my son not so much because we were on different sides of the country uh but they both hurt for a long time losing them out of my life um, mm-hmm. but it's 100 percent my fault you know i i continue to chain I, I was never violent or abusive or anything like that but when i say i continued a pattern of just general dysfunctionality i want to say because i never ever you know laid, laid a hand or you know yelled and screamed any of that kind of stuff went on in my own household. But again, there was dysfunctionality as far as my children not having a father growing up or maybe having a stepdad who wasn't their blood father, you know, and and being confused, why is my dad around sometimes? Why is he not? Why is he in jail or why is he in prison? Or why did he just say, sure, I'm gonna buy you an iPhone and then I'm waiting in the mail, This, you know, and it never shows, it's like, oh, dad's in jail again, you know, stuff like that. So I really wrecked my relationship uh, with my children for a long time 100 percent culpability goes to me and uh so repairing it i had to be patient you know i could i realized and this is another thing that i came to too is that when i decided you know no more victimhood no more yes mentality there's it was a whole collaboration of things i guess if you will that i needed to change about my life one of those things for can was that I can't demand things on my own time and mm. say, I want this and I want it now because this is what I want. I mean, that's just the height of selfishness, self-centeredness, egocentric BS behavior. And, and I had to be patient and I prayed a lot. I prayed every night. I prayed for a long, long time. You know, like now I pray just for, you know, well, I still did, but now But, I, but my main prayer for a long time was God, please just soften my children's heart towards me, in your time, please let them come back. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I'm not pushing faith on anyone. This, this, this is just about my experience, mm-hmm. I a really strong faith, and my higher power. And slowly but surely, things started to happen. But I had to do the work. If I had to get myself better. I had to my cup was not even just full, but you flowing, know, so that when I could into somebody else's cup i still have enough left for me to continue to improve and, and do the things that i needed to do and i think that they saw that i was doing things better uh they have different moms but um, they'd heard through your moms maybe or through you know maybe on social media or you know just heard that you know, dad's doing a lot better and, and you know and he's, he's gone to jail in, in a handful of years you know and he's not back in prison and, and he's, he's really making a difference and trying his best and and they both reached out to me and, uh, and expressed a desire to repair the relationship. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, been gr- it's been good, but it's been slow. And, 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 and again, would I like to have everything back? Like my kids say, I love you every day, dad, and this and that, and please come, you know? Yes, but that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But the case is, is that um, I have to be patient. And <clears throat> this is, I'm not, I'm not a sprint, and, you know, I don't want to really say a lot about my daughter, what she said, but I'll say one thing that was really important to me. It made a lot of sense. She's like, Dad, I feel like I don't even know you anymore. You know, she's been gone for so long. And I, she's like, I love you and I, and I want to repair this relationship, but it's going to take time. She's like, I forgive you and I'm not mad at you, but I just have to live my life. And, you know, she's married and. She mm-hmm. says, and, and you're not out of my. You're we, you know. I want a relationship, but it's just gonna, it's just gonna be slow and and deliberate, and that's okay because that's kind of the way that I put my life back together too. Is not wanting everything like that. Yeah, I'm not saying okay, I want my life back. I want money. I want a girlfriend. I want a house to live in. I want yeah, a new car. I want a shiny, fancy this and that. No, it's like I really had to humble myself, and and I still do today. You know, I just live one day at a time and take. Hey, long as i'm handling my side of the street man and doing what i know is the right thing um things work out they just do and like i said real quick um it's not a perfect relationship with my kids but it is a relationship and it's not unhealthy it's not dysfunctional
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and it's getting better
1: day by day so i'm super super grateful for
0: that so Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And I think the biggest thing you pointed out is the ability to let go of control. Excuse me. Um, Yeah, so I think the biggest piece there is understanding that, as you mentioned, you're going to do the best you can and everything else is outside of your control and showing your kids that you're willing to make a change. And, and being patient with the process. And I think that's part of your own healing, too, is being able to put yourself in a position where you can repair with, uh, especially all the most important relationships that probably fell apart over the years. Absolutely. Um, I'd talk about relationships real quick. <clears throat>
1: I had a dear friend, he passed away a um, few years ago, but he, went to the United States Naval Academy he was a Marine Corps officer in Vietnam an older gentleman and he was kind of a, a mentor to me uh, for a lot of years and, and he was a very strong uh, just man of just good everything and, and always believed in me and and it would hurt his heart when I he would go back to jail or go to prison go away for a few years or this and but he would always say like and then this is a man who had actual wealth you know you know, you know, he was vice president of Idaho Power, which is you know, it's high as in, as in Canada, you know, hydro. Yeah. Um, and uh, so did very well for himself financially and, and uh, you know, had nice things or whatever, you know, it's fine. But he would always say, look, Bo, life is not about how many zeros are in your bank account. Life is not about what kind of car you sit in your garage. Life is not about that stuff. He says, sure, you want to do well so you can take care of yourself and take care of your family. But ultimately, when they put you in the ground, the legacy that you want to be left or you want to leave is how you treated people and the relationships that you had with people, relationships. And I just, I stress that it's life is about the relationships that you make, you know, new relationship, me meeting you and vice versa and, yeah. and having a nice chat. And, and and when we're done here, leaving that thing, man, that was, a, that was a good experience. And that was fun. And I'm glad I got to meet Furkan and, you know, in the snaps and, and I just, uh, I just had a total change of mindset, man. About you know what my priorities were in life, and uh, and today I've got you know a core group of friends, not a lot, you know, maybe mm-hmm. four <laughs> max, you know, that are my close friends. Yeah. But I, I, don't need you know, and I've got a bunch of acquaintances and and people that I guess I call friends. But my core group of and guy, guys, three or four guys that I can call anytime, any time, day of the night, day of the time of the day. And they'll stop what they're doing and, and pick the phone up, and I'll do it vice versa for them too. Yeah, uh, it's very, it's very nice and comforting. And you know, I used to be a guy who had a million acquaintances but no friends, mm-hmm. and nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine out of those million would probably talk bad about me behind my back. Yeah, <laughs> because I deserved because I deserved it. You know, because yeah. of the things I did. You know, a and it's not that way anymore. And I don't feel this need to have a million friends and to be liked by sure. I like to be liked, and I'm sure you do. And we all like to be mm-hmm. appreciated or liked in our, you know, but it's not a thing where I wake up in the morning and go, gosh, I hope so-and-so doesn't hate me. Or I hope I can gain some more friends today. And, and on your, sh- on, on your, uh, on your show or not your, sh- maybe it was on your show or maybe on your, your Instagram page, you talked about the comparison. Yeah. Yeah. That was on my Instagram and commented on it on your Instagram, and I love, that was such a great post you made, because, and I think I commented on it, and I said, yeah. man, I played that compare comparison game for years, and it just, kept, and I think I used the word, it kept me in turmoil, but yeah. um, it really kept me in, you know, literally, well, not you know, metaphorical chains, man, it just mm-hmm. kept me from being able to be myself, because I always had this feeling inside that I, I didn't like, I didn't care for myself and i was always comparing myself my insides to everybody's outsides thinking oh wow they look so good or they look so put together and they speak so well and oh, look at all these friends they have they're mm-hmm. oh, and they have a nice car and and just their interactions with people is seems so effortlessly effort, you know effortless and and yeah. it, just everything seems perfect and then there's me little old me just wanting to bury my head in the sand, you know, because I just hated myself so much. And I just felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. And I didn't, you know, and it was like that for a camp for a long time. And when anyone asked me today, what's the greatest thing that you've gotten out of your sobriety? And, you know, they, ex- they expect me to say like, oh, well, you know, um, my health is better, you know, or, you know, I'm not burning down <laughs> houses, or you know, or whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to jail anymore. And, no, the greatest thing that I've gotten out of my sobriety over the past, you know, six years or so is to feel comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we all want at a young age, starting with children. I think so many of us don't feel comfortable in our own skin as children, as young adults, as older adults. And I went almost, you know, I'll be 49 then in a couple months. And I went 40 plus decades feeling that way. Mm-hmm or four plus decades feeling that way. And now to be able to express myself and, and to help others and feel confident and comfortable enough in my own skin to be able to tell my story and to see the effect that it has on people, it just gives me more impetus, and more ammunition to keep going and going. And I feel like I've just been reborn, you know, years ago. And, and it's a wonderful feeling. Caveat to that, had to do the work. Yeah. Had to do some deep, deep work on myself. Uh, had to make a lot of amends to people. Uh, had to really get uh, honest with myself and get to, get to the root of a lot of problems that I had. Um, so it doesn't just happen like that. I just don't wake up and say, please change me and make my life great. It happens. It didn't happen like that for me whatsoever. Yeah. But, um, but I but I became willing to do the work, and when I became willing to change and realized that I had a problem and I was just killing everything and everyone in my life mm-hmm. metaphorically, um, yeah, things started to get better.
0: It was yeah, just, a, just an awakening yeah. for sure. I, and it's so important that you mention that because you think about it, if you've got forty plus years of a certain way of being programmed, it's going to take a lot of work to reprogram yourself, <laughs> right? And people, yeah often get discouraged or frustrated when, you know, they make mistakes. And I often too, like, you know, I've also been on a journey of working on myself and occasionally I'm going to make mistakes and fall back to my old patterns. And those are the moments where I need to have compassion for myself and take those mistakes as learning moments rather than shaming and guilt, uh, having guilt over how I showed up knowing that I'm still a work in progress And the other piece that I wanted to highlight that you mentioned so important is, you know, we often get caught up in not being able to accept ourselves because of how we were as children or how we were treated. So then, you know, we're trying to build relationships based on how we look or the things we have. And the most important thing is how are we treating others? How are we making others feel? And that's the most important thing when it comes to relationships. 100%
1: 100% man it's like like I take stock in my life and I realized that I was the guy that's like oh god there here comes Bo god everyone you know we're, we're yeah. around him I know he, he's just not he puts out a bad vibe he's got terrible energy he's always negative he's mm-hmm. he, he talks behind people's backs he's he's just nothing's ever positive about him to you know I don't want to be remembered that way I want to be remembered as like oh man I, you know, let's go let's go ask him because he maybe he knows maybe he can help or or, you know he's a let's let's invite him to this party or you know or gathering or whatever you know he's a nice guy to be around and mm-hmm. and he makes people feel good about themselves and I I live for so long you know feeling terrible about myself so I empathize when people don't feel good about themselves completely that's not the case for me anymore for the most part I think we're human and, and like you said we're down days and we you know kind of go into like oh, I don't feel great you know or whatever but for the most part i, I feel great about the things that i do today and i feel good and comfortable in my own skin and i want i desperately want other people to feel that way too and uh the reason that i do is because i know how lonely it is to feel like i don't you know you don't fit in or you, everybody has friends and i don't have friends or um i just it's just a terrible space to be lonely and sad and have no hope and it just sucks it just sucks yeah. all the way around, and I did, and I, and if I can help somebody feel get out of that and realize that they have value and self worth, and and if they have a, they have you know a purpose on this life, and you know to to help others and, and to be the best they can, the best versions of themselves, then I'm going to do it, and I'm more I'm going to do my best trying, you know. So mm-hmm. that's really what I love to do the most today is yeah, is to kind of share share with people that there is a way out. You don't have to. Be stuck in the sand, you know, your head in the, in the sand. You know, you don't have to feel so downtrodden and beat down. And it's just life just becomes a just a, a trudge, man. And trudge is not a bad word. Trudge actually means to walk with purpose. But I mean, you know, life can become a, a drag, you know, real quick <laughs> when you when you feel like the whole world is against you. And uh, so, yeah, I just I don't want to feel that way ever again. I don't want other people to feel that way. So
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's so important. And this is what I love about doing this podcast is hearing people's stories where, you know, they take adversity or whatever they went through and then they find meaning in that, but then they want to be able to help others through the same thing. And and that's what I love about your story and others that have come on this podcast. It's so amazing to see. And, you know, I think it's that mindset shift we need to have, like you mentioned, when we start looking at things like life is happening for us, not to us that's when we can actually start looking at things differently too and and not feeling like victims there's a, i truly believe there's an opportunity in any situation in our life we just need to be able to look at it from a different angle sometimes 100 percent and and i call that for can
1: something call i call it uh, just flipping the script man yeah just flip the script look at it through a new pair of glasses You know, let's get a different pair of lenses on and let's check out a different way of different perspective on things. And when I do that, I truly believe that too. I'm right there with you that, you know, I've learned to take, I've learned to have gratitude through the worst of situations because Mm -hmm. maybe when we're stuck in it at the moment, why is this happening? But in my experience, as I was able to distance myself from that crazy life, I used to live and look back on things. Had a lot of aha moments like oh, okay i understand why that happened the way it did mm-hmm. and when that happened and at that time frame and why it happened like that where it when i was stuck in the moment i'm like why is this happening why 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 i was always why 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 you know um and my mom god bless her we we reconnected after 14 years because she told me um son you have to leave my life i love you you're my firstborn son and i'll, I'll always love you but you're killing me mm-hmm. with your behavior thing and uh now we're best friends we talk you know a few times a week we visit she lives in Colorado and and we tell each other you know I love you and this and that but my mom god bless her she's 77 and she's gone through three cancers and and a lot of other stuff and is a tough tough lady extremely educated Uh, both both my parents have graduate degrees from really good schools in the U.S. yeah I have a a GED which you know I'm a high school dropout and I got a GED uh from a state penitentiary <laughs> in idaho so um i always kind of joke about that but my mom says we live in the what is not the what if yeah and i and i always think about that you know and it's so simple but so profound at the same time you know just she's like oh we live in the what is not the what if you know if i'll ever say something you're like mom i'm sorry but you know she's like no, apologize to me made It amends to me let's live for it. we live in the what is not the what if and I, and I think about that every single day. And that helps me stay grounded and present and patient, yeah. <laughs> you know. And as long as I'm doing the things that I need to do that I know are the right ways of living, um, I unequivocally know that things to work out the way they're supposed to.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I'm going to definitely uh, keep, keep that in mind as well. And I know you've touched on it, but just to kind of bring it to a close, uh, just for people that are either on a similar journey like yourself or who want to get there what are some things that you are doing now to keep yourself on track to on this new path you've carved for yourself absolutely so balance and balance
1: balance and consistency in my life are just they're kings (laughs) um you know i get up on time simple stuff you know and, and I don't want people to think that, oh, this is, this is nothing. But truly establishing a positive routine in life for myself has been paramount. Mm-hmm. And the little things, if I can do the little details for a can, then the big stuff will take care of itself. And, and I'm not making light of things, but simple things like not sleeping until 11am, you mm-hmm. know, getting, getting to bed at a decent hour, uh, not staying up till three, three in the morning, watching, you know, you know netflix all night and eating ice cream sitting in bed or whatever you know i'm just i get up on time i try to live you know each day with purpose and intent and that doesn't mean that i that i'm some kind of saint and live a perfect life because i certainly don't um i'm active i'm physically active i've had a ton of surgeries you know my back five shoulder surgeries and a bunch of other stuff you know and i'm I'm actually having an open heart surgery next year because i've got some nasty heart disease going on but these are all things that happen to us And, and i've learned to be like okay well We'll just fight through it and uh, and stay positive. So I live a life of purpose and intent whether it's if I'm in the weight room it's every rep is done correctly with proper form. I think that that's metaphorical for the way that we live life. Let's live with proper form. Let's uh, let's make our bed in the morning to get a good start, you know, leave the bed messy, well, we're going to have a messy day, you know. That's not how I want to start my day. This may sound simple, but to me these little things, you know, eating eating riders best I can, you know, making sure that uh, I don't get into arguments with people. I, I, I don't get into the, the debating society anymore, for, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better word. You know, I, we all have our opinions on on the state of affairs in the world, whether politics or this and that. And I do, too. You know, I'm human and I am a citizen of the world, you know, so I, I have my opinion on things. And, mm-hmm. But there's a way to, to broach that stuff or, or there's, there's a time and place for it. And I don't feel the need to just interject my opinion into everything anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time in my life where i had to butt into everyone's conversation i had to tell everyone no 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 you're wrong i'm right you need to hear what i have to say well i'm just not that important to be honest with you yeah <laughs> you know and uh and so that's been a big thing for me it's just to, to just let stuff like that go like even stuff that that in the past would make me seethe with anger and content just let it go yeah yeah and involve myself in it man and sure. and just just walk on by don't get involved in that stuff (laughs) and and that's my in the past that was ego needing to be fed because I felt so bad about myself I'm like well man I need to tell these people what's wrong and right so I can feel good about myself to well I feel good about myself the way I am and I'm making the daily improvements and I don't feel the need to, you know, butt into everyone else's conversations and tell them what's wrong or right. Um, so little things like that, a mm-hmm. uh, big mindset change though. Yeah. Um, from, from eating well, from taking care of myself physically to, to minding my own business, to having a mindset of, I, I want to serve people. I think serve service is so, 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 so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just to say, Oh, you know some kind of saint or you know mother teresa not that kind but just doing things to help people yeah and i found that when i can get in service to other people i'm helping myself man because i'm out of my own head i'm making self improvement at the same time and it's just a win win for everybody. so um yeah i just you know i i have a real real strong faith uh, i keep my side of the street clean you know for the most part, <laughs> and I do my best to help uh, help other people. And uh, when I can do that, that's a full day, man. I can look mm-hmm. myself in the mirror uh, at night when I go to bed and say, okay, do I need to make improvements? Um, yes, I always have to make improvements, but they're not like huge, massive things that I did wrong. They're things that I can continue to build on that I've already made improvements on. Yeah. And it's just a win-win for society, honestly, that I'm not out there being a scourge and, and being a criminal and all this just." Yeah embarrassing stuff to be quite honest for sure for sure
0: yeah no what I appreciate about attention yeah no what I appreciate uh, what I appreciate about what you shared there is that you know first of all you've been able to give yourself that assurance and validation that you no longer seek it out in others and that's there's so much power that comes from that when we're able to give it to ourselves otherwise we're constantly searching for it externally and that's where we give up our power and the other piece is the service piece. I agree with you. It's so important where we all have gifts that we come into this world with. And to be able to share that with other people, again, is, is, is a gift in itself. And it makes us feel like we are living our life with purpose. So it's so impor- important that you mention those two things because that's what allows us to live that life of purpose and, and find meaning in everything we do.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I live forever with no purpose at all. My purpose was me. Me, me, me. I had the purpose of me. I should write a book on the purpose of me. (laughs) You know, like it's all about me. You know, I'm the hell with all you guys. It's all about me. And it's just looking, I cringe even right now talking to you. I cringe thinking about that. It just makes me. one of vomit to be honest with you. yeah you know yeah. and i just it, it's so far from my my mindset now of of that type of living because i think that i just grew up man and uh, it took me a long time but you know once we've had this kind of i call it a spiritual awakening, you know, in, yeah in my kind of circle and i and i really have had like a mental and physical and an emotional and spiritual awakening and i look back and it's again the word is cringe it's just mm-hmm. cringeworthy always thinking about myself over others, always taking, I took, took, took. And if I couldn't get it, I'd manipulate it for me or I would try to, and this and that. And it's just, man, it's just such a, Oh, it's just, it was like living in the dark for so long. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I started to get better. Uh, I started living in the light, man. And I do every day and it just keeps getting infinitely better, but I've got to stay grounded. And I do, Mm -hmm. you know, I do things on a daily basis that keeps me, available to my fellow man you know. yeah yeah no know. you know i don't make it yeah and i don't make a big i'm not a big deal about things guy anymore and i went from being like everything was so melodramatic with me and everything was so the skies falling and whoa just everything was just this giant overblown embellishment of life and nowadays like the only thing i really take serious is is my recovery mm-hmm. because and that may sound it's not because when I take <clears throat> excuse me my recovery serious as I do, then everything else falls into place mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just not going to stress over life anymore because and my life is far from perfect. you know I, I have everyday struggles like like we all do you know yeah. um, external and internal but they are not even close to what they once were and it, it's because I just uh, put on a different pair of glasses and flip the script and so to speak, you know, and and, and said, man, I'm check, I'm gonna check out the other perspective on things. And, and uh and I haven't looked back. So
0: yeah, no, that's amazing. Uh Bo, I just want to be I'm super grateful for you know how gracious you've been with your time. And um I'm really inspired by the journey you're on. So you know I really appreciate everything you shared and uh, you know I wish you the best and the, the impact you're making is going to be profound, I can tell. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing so much. And uh, I really appreciate it. For people that want to get a hold of you or reach out to you, what are some ways they can do that, whether it's social media or, or online? I would just reach out
1: to me through Instagram is probably the best way. Uh, my Instagram handle is uh, SoberBow. And then you can find me on, on Facebook, I'm not as active on Facebook, but I, I do post a lot about recovery on Instagram, obviously, mm-hmm. and and uh, and just uh, my last name is Payne, P-A-Y-N-E, my first name is Bo, Beau, B-E-A-U. So uh, just those two main venues. Um, like I said, in the, in the not so distant future, there's a lot of neat stuff kind of happening in my life. Um, that, uh, that i'll get into you know at a later date but as far as now i'm, I'm always accessible through social media or uh, direct messages um, you know if anyone ever has a problem about drinking or you know i'm i, I talk to all kinds of guys hmm. you know i you know folks let them know you know just my experience You know, i get dms all the time and my, and my boss just saying hey I, I so appreciate that post you made man i was you know and I, I got one from london the other day and i'll share this real quick this gal Uh, said my son read your post we've been trying to get him into rehab three years now Um, he's addicted to heroin and uh he read your post and currently right now he's sitting in an inpatient tree so that right there and i get that all the time that's not a pat on the back look at me thing that just keeps me going that's like wow man that is so just pure awesomeness yeah i we people can have that effect on other people you know and so why would i want to stop doing stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah so i'm accessible any, any
0: yeah any way you can
1: i'll always lend an ear to somebody
0: no that's amazing thank you again and thanks for coming on the podcast and having this conversation with me i really appreciate it
1: yeah my pleasure for and absolutely
0: yeah my pleasure thank you that's the end of the episode thank you again for tuning in and until next week